0: Running. We have a it's nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. Welcome. The phone number 404 872 750 1 WSB Talk. You can get the podcast and daily email by texting the word show to 444 999. Uh, there is we've, there is local politics, the Casey Cagle situation uh, continuing to develop. But before we get to any of that, uh, some thoughts on Singapore and the summit with North Korea. First and foremost, one of the frustrating aspects of trying to be principled in politics these days and be consistent is the frustration of seeing many of your friends cheering. Uh, when it's, it's pretty obvious that if Barack Obama had done it, they would be booing and and then to see the Democrats doing the same. I mean, Democrats clearly need to get a clue that when they were cheering Barack Obama's deals with Iran and Cuba, they were ceding any moral ground to criticize president Trump and North Korea. And I, I have to be very honest with you. I I have not read any real thought provoking takes on the president's Singapore summit. It's it's everything. Nothing has really struck me as as fascinating as interesting. It's all kind of the the run of the mill stuff. My 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 own included today, by the way. Um, there was good and there was bad, and it is frustrating in that a lot of people don't want you to be able to talk about one or the other. If you praise what the president did, well, then uh, you've clearly sold out. If you criticize what the president did, you've clearly sold out, or you were always never Trump, or or the usual criticisms. But there were things to praise and things to criticize about the situation, and uh, with my own audience, I hope I'll be allowed to walk through those uh, praises and criticisms, and I'd like to start with the praises because President Trump— has thrown out the old playbook on North Korea that very clearly was not working. I mean, we are where we are with North Korea because they've been able to develop nuclear weapons while all along going back to the Clinton administration pledging not to develop nuclear weapons. Bill Clinton had a, a an infamous summit with the North Koreans where the North Koreans pledged to abandon all aspirations for nuclear weapons and have ever since fairly consistently plotted to build nuclear weapons and has gotten to the point now where they can launch a missile, where they can launch a, a nuclear strike on the United States. But I want to go back a couple of months Because I I, want to play you some audio from the press at the time. And it was, I I believe the Washington Free Beacon did this montage of the media um, back last year when the president of the United States refused to go along with the way things had always been in North Korea. So I want you to listen to this audio. We're probably closer to uh, an outright war with North Korea. Easily construe what he's been saying
1: as uh, uh, a declaration or at least a threat of of war. Closer, in my view, to a nuclear war uh, with North Korea and in that region than we've ever been. And I I just don't see uh, how,
0: I don't see the opportunities to solve this diplomatically. And I think that we should be concerned that this This escalatory rhetoric between the leaders of two countries that have nuclear weapons uh, is slipping very quickly. I think
1: there's about a 20% chance that we'll end up exchanging ordinance with North Korea at some point in a fairly significant way. About a 30% chance of war, I'd say, from where I sit right now.
0: Those were pundits and politicians who were prognosticating that the president's behavior with North Korea late last year and the beginning of this year were leading us to war with North Korea. And instead what happened is for the first time the President of the United States sat down with the North Korean leader to actually discuss face-to-face, man-to-man, the abandonment of their nuclear weapons program. And the same people who were saying that this was bringing us to war just a few months ago are now saying, well, nothing's going to be accomplished with this. Folks, nothing has been accomplished in the last 20 years except that the North Koreans have developed nuclear weapons. So I'm okay with President Trump deciding to do something different. Totally okay with the president deciding to do something different. He should do something different. If what you're continually doing doesn't work, well, then try something new. The definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and never working. We've had an insane policy when it comes to North Korea. So good for the president for trying to do something new. Good for the president getting the North Korean dictator to sit down with him. But bad for the president to praise Kim Jong-un the way he did. I realize President Trump negotiates with flattery. But to say that Kim Jong-un loves his people or that the people of North Korea love him is not true. And not only is it not true, it provides propaganda ammunition for the North Korean leader. It provides him a way to propagandize to his already brainwashed populace that he is something more than he actually is. And that's a real problem. It's a real problem because the man actually is a monster. And I don't use that term loosely. He is the closest thing we have on the planet right now to Hitler, Stalin, or Pol Pot. He is. He ruthlessly exterminates his people. And so I also understand the criticisms of people who say we shouldn't have treated them as equals in this because that's what they crave. In fact, you know, Tom Cotton, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, was on a radio program this morning where he said essentially, because the North Koreans have nuclear weapons, we should uh, sit down and talk to them and try to try to come to terms with them. Which is essentially saying that if you want, if you're a, a tin pot dictator and you want to be taken seriously by the United States, get nuclear weapons. There is a real danger that other rogue regimes decide they need to get nuclear weapons. This is certainly an incentive for Iran to rush now to get nuclear weapons so that they can be taken seriously. And that's a problem. It is very good, I think, for the president to have reached out to North Korea and tried something different. In the past, repeatedly, with Clinton, Bush, and Obama, the North Koreans rattled their sabers, did some missile tests, and the United States sent them a large check for quote-unquote humanitarian aid. And it's pretty clear that that money was rolled then into their nuclear weapons program. And President Trump, when the North Koreans did their rattling of sabers, decided to rattle back and send the U.S. Navy to the Korean Peninsula. And suddenly we're doing things differently, and that's good. But it's really bad to give this man and this country a level of legitimacy that they don't deserve. It is a monstrous, barbaric regime. Genuinely monstrous, genuinely barbaric. And the president giving them that level of, of head-patting legitimacy, I think is problematic because it emboldens this regime in ways we may not even understand because they are so reclusive uh, this could very much wind up hurting us but for Democrats complaining about this please spare me because I saw Barack Obama sit down with the Cuban leader and I saw him write a big check to the Iranians sacrificing Democratic moral credibility on how to handle these people if you're struggling to come up with a present for your dad for Father's Day, I've got a great one for you. It's actually a really cool website called Mancrates. Mancrates has hand packaged gifts for every type of dad. There's, for example, there's a knife making kit, there's a whiskey appreciation kit, there's a, I shouldn't even say kit, they're crates, they're wooden crates, they actually come with a crowbar for you to be able to open the crate. If you go to my Instagram page at E.W. Erickson, you'll see. Um, You can get them for chefs, uh, you can get them for hobbyists, hunters, fishermen. Um dads who like barware, dads who like sports, you name it, it's it's really got gifts for everyone. I really love the concept and I actually like the products. I've actually got a bar set of pint glasses and coasters engraved with my name from Mancrates. Really handy useful stuff your dad will love. Get your special Father's Day discount today at mancrates.com/eric. E R I C K. It's a limited time offer. It's only for Father's Day, so you got to go today. That's mancrates.com slash Eric, E R I C K, mancrates, M A N C R A T E S dot com slash Eric. You got to go to mancrates, folks. Father's Day is coming up. Get your dad something really cool and unique and with a crowbar. It is 26 after the hour, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Now, let's see, can I do justice to a phone call? No, David, stay on the line, the rest of you as well, uh, because I want to take your phone calls when we come back. We do have to get into the latest update on the Casey Cagle situation. I told David to stay on the line and then he just hung up. I'm sorry. I, I, I got less than a minute. I want you guys to be able to talk so anyway uh we do have to talk about the casey Cagle situation uh as well uh the senate education committee chairman lindsey tippins is speaking out and he's suggesting criminal impropriety on casey Cagle's part uh he actually is and it's this is a fascinating situation now because you have clay tippins and lindsey is his uncle um, this is going to be interesting to shape up. And will it really matter? He was so far ahead in the runoff. He, he was only a few points shy of 50%. Uh, the implications of that. But first, your phone calls on what you thought about North Korea when we come back. 39 after the hour, Eric Erickson here taking your phone calls on what you thought about the Singapore summit between the United States and North Korea, 404-872-0750, wsb talk uh, Going first to Nick calling from coming. Nick, welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking the call. Sure.
1: Hey, man, I think, uh, I think just getting to the table... And uh and being the first US president to meet with Kim or any North Korean leader, um, is a huge accomplishment in itself. Um, that's first off. Second off, I think I think the strategy was kinda to create a relationship right off the base and, and just take it step by step after that and I think you know, uh who knows the outcome but it it, it couldn't be any worse than what we had before.
0: Yeah, you know, Nick, I think that's kind of where I am, actually. Uh, Can it be worse than what we had before? No, I don't think so. I mean, they're already on the verge of, if not past, uh, being able to build a nuclear bomb. The question is, have they been able to scale it down and put it on a warhead? It doesn't appear they have, but they're headed in that direction. Uh, And this was after the Clinton summit, after Bush, after Obama. So why not try something new?
1: Exactly that's it, how i
0: feel about it yeah thanks very much for the phone call and then nick yeah i mean that that's that's what i think there's there's still the issue of china though and and we need to get there but first let's go roger cartersville welcome
1: yes uh thanks eric um i am curious you know we uh, i've heard of the president talk about that we would uh provide cover protection some sort of protection for uh cam john hill uh, um i wonder if um the propaganda, you know, the, the president patting him on the back and, and all that, I wonder if that was uh, sort of a a way of doing that. Uh it's it's a cheap way to do it as far as, you know, patting him on the back and and everybody knows the president is behind him, gives him a little bit extra oomph because he's he's patted him on the back so well. And I know that uh, Trump is big about uh, you know, giving a lot of accolades to people whenever he's uh negotiating. But I just wonder if it was a little bit more planned than than maybe than what we think, because that's a cheap way to give him some cover um, is 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 through words. And, and yes, it is dangerous. There, I agree with that.
0: There are a number of people out there who have speculated that there may have been more to have happened behind the scenes, even in the run-up to the summit, than was there. Yep. Um, I and there are also people speculating that you know perhaps. One of Trump's negotiating positions was to suggest to Kim that he could be free of China's yoke, that they could in some way, if the North Koreans sided with us on this issue, that somehow they could be freed of the burden of being a a Chinese subjugated state, which to a degree they are. I, I do think there is an issue to be had with China that a lot of people aren't really realizing, and that is the Chinese have a strong desire to not just be a regional superpower, but a global superpower. And they can't get to being a global superpower without uh, being more of a regional superpower. And they can't be more of a regional superpower as long as the United States has a massive troop presence in Asia. So if the Kim regime was able to strike a peace accord with South Korea And ease American tensions, it could potentially see the American military leave the Korean peninsula, which would help China, ultimately. So, I don't, no one wants to talk about China in this, but I think we have to. I think it was notable that the Chinese lent Kim Jong-un a 747 a rather new 747 to meet with President Trump on, as opposed to his uh, Soviet-made airplane uh, that was built in 1980. They the, He wanted a newer plane. They put him in a 747 so he could have a plane just like the president of the United States. Had a fancy Mercedes to, to go along with the American president's Cadillac limo, so trying to make them look equal, even though they're not. And the Chinese had a role to play in that that isn't really being commented on by most people again i i hate to say this because i got a lot of friends who are professional analysts and pundits and whatnot but i just haven't been impressed with a lot of the commentary on the korean situation i, I just i just haven't the phone number 404-872-0750-1800 wsb talk um okay you've got to tell me your name because i can't see it on the call screening program but you're up next whoever you are
1: yeah my name's rick all right rick uh, thanks for calling Hey, um, you know, I'm so happy to get in contact with you. Uh, you know, my, you know, my uh, I guess, uh, uh, my like for uh, Donald Trump just uh, probably just went up a lot higher. He, you know, people don't realize it, but he is the first U.S. president, sitting president, that has come eye-to-eye contact with a North Korean leader. And those that uh, that him and haw about everything, uh, they just don't realize the accomplishment that this man's done. So you know, and that's that's pretty much my statement. Um, you know, the rest of it, you know, he said that it's going to be a process. It's going to take it's going to take time. A lot of these things aren't going to happen overnight. And I mean, just the same thing if you when you go comparing it with uh, with Gorbachev and uh, Reagan. You know it didn't happen
0: overnight yep that's and, true that, that and, and you know the, the other issue here to that i think we gotta we gotta be mindful of is that the north koreans essentially are committing to all the things they committed to with bill clinton and then didn't do and, and the question is is this one-on-one FaceTime with the north korean leader and the president treating him as an equal giving him the propaganda film we haven't even gotten to that yet uh, the propaganda film, w- will that do something in a way that other administrations fail to do by giving him face time in some way, disrespecting him by not treating him as an equal uh, time will tell on that front. It is 54 after the hour. We're going to take a few more phone calls as I can get through for this hour on the Korean situation. We've got to move on in the next hour. But right now, let's go to Logan in Covington. Logan, welcome.
1: Hey, thanks, Eric. Sure. Um, My biggest concern um, that would come out of the summit is ending the joint exercises. with the South Koreans, I'm former Air Force. I participated in the joint exercises. Um, That is a very big reinsurance to South Korea. Every day those people live in fear of what North Korea may do. And I think that um, Trump left them out to hang high and dry. I would have liked to see easing of economic sanctions and then ending the exercise as if things progress.
0: So, yeah, and just to clarify, from the White House this evening, um, they intend to end the uh, annual major war exercises, uh, but the routine exercises they say will continue. So the the routine day to day cooperation and exercises they're going to keep. But yeah, the big war games they do every year they are canceling yeah, that it's one.
1: Operation Red Flag.
0: Yeah, and yeah, so I. Very I thankful. Yeah, it, it does seem, I mean, I realize it's a show of goodwill on the president's part, but it, it seems like there might have been other ways to do it. Although, uh, to be fair to the president, one of his concerns is that we always ease the economic sanctions as a show of good faith, and, and they haven't changed their behavior. So let's try something new. I, I, I do get that. Donna in Kennesaw, you're up next. Welcome. Hi,
1: Eric. How are you?
0: Good. How about yourself?
1: Good. Thank you. I just wanted to say that I, I feel President Trump deserves credit and our respect for taking us somewhere that no other president has been able to do and people need to remember that when Obama won not everybody was happy about it but a year and a half later we weren't crying over it and the, the, you know this is great news for the world and those that have nothing positive to say really just need to grow up
0: well there you go although I I, I do think we shouldn't be dismissive of the concerns because we've been here before with North Korea uh and the um, a chief difference between the two is that uh, we didn't put them on the world stage and treat them as an equal at the time. Uh, maybe that's what we need to get concessions from them. Uh, but I think that just gives Kim Jong-un too much credit and praise. And we shouldn't do that. When we come back, we got to move on. Uh, state politics, Casey Cagle taking another hit from a colleague in the Senate. it's nine after the hour I am Eric Erickson this is Atlanta's evening news the phone number 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK we've got to get into some local politics here I, only briefly I su- suppose uh, for now uh, Lindsay Tippins is the chairman ...of the Senate Education Committee. Uh, He is not a fan of charter schools. And his proponents say, well, it's because he's data-driven and charter schools don't really work. um, Which maybe in some cases they don't. But I I just... When I hear people say so-and-so is data-driven, what really that is is code for doesn't really have particular ideology on these issues. Um, and I think school choice is actually an issue of liberty. It's not an issue of data. It's an issue of liberty. Um, being able to allow your kids to go elsewhere, uh, to school outside of public schools. I have friends who give lots of money to the state, um, scholarship program that is at the center of the Casey Cagle controversy. For those of you who don't know, there's a program in the state whereby you can donate money to various foundations and you get a dollar for dollar state tax credit up to a certain amount. Uh, And what do I mean by that? If you donate $1,000, let's say you owe the state of Georgia $2,000 in income tax and you donate $2,000 to one of these nonprofits, then you don't owe any income tax in Georgia. You actually get a dollar-for-dollar dollar credit, meaning they uh, you subtract from your income tax bill the money owed. Now, they don't give you a, a money back. If you owe $1,000 to the state, you give $2,000 to, to one of these scholarship programs, you don't get $1,000 back. You just, you just don't owe taxes. And I know people who max out to these organizations uh, because it is essentially the only program in the state of Georgia whereby you get to direct your money, your tax dollars. Um, And that, my friends, I think is a very big deal. Uh, Being able to say, you know what, I want my money to go to help poor people send their kids to private schools. And that's what the money is used for. The money is used for the ability for underprivileged families to be able to send their kids to private schools. If you listen to the critics of the program, what they say is that rich people apply for the scholarship and send their kids subsidized by the state. That's not actually what happens. Poorer families use the money to be able to go to private schools. And a lot of rich people, rich liberal people, don't like the program because it allows poor people into their kids' school. It's a dirty little secret. Um, The situation with Casey Cagle involves two Tippinses, Clay, who ran for governor, and Lindsay, who is the Senate Education Committee chairman. And Lindsay, T- or Clay T- uh, blah, 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 see, I'm already getting confused. Lindsay Tippin sat down and talked to Jim Galloway of the AJC about his situation with Casey Cagle. And essentially all but says Casey Cagle broke the law. And... I'm wondering if this is going to spiral with a grand jury investigation by the Fulton County DA, given this interview. Let's get to this. Um, What happened is Clay Tippins recorded Casey Cagle saying he needed to pass a bill to expand this scholarship, this tax credit scholarship, in order to keep Hunter Hill from getting a campaign contribution from the Walton Foundation that supports school choice. But Lindsey Tippin, the Senate Education Committee chairman, takes it a step further. Uh, let me read you part of the AJC comment. Uh, I've had plenty of private closed door political discussions, and the fact that Casey Cagle had one doesn't change my support for him to be governor, says Lynn Westmoreland, a, a Cagle supporter uh, who's now out attacking. Uh, Clay Tippins. But there's another story of betrayal, according to Jim Galloway, during the closing days of the legislative session. It's essential to understand the Kegel tippins recording. Two pieces of charter school legislation were at play. One was House Bill 217, a bill to raise a cap on tax credits for charter schools. That's the topic that Clay Tippins raised. Another is HB 787, a measure to increase the amount of state money flowing to 20 state-approved brick-and-mortar charter schools. The House passed the latter bill, the one to support state brick-and-mortar charter schools on February 22nd when it arrived in the Senate. It was sent to Lindsey Tippin's Education Committee and would eventually pass the Senate over Lindsey Tippin's objections. Tippin's stonewalled conservative reform to expand education options, according to Scott Binkley, um, the Kegel campaign manager. Cagle worked with him as chairman, but grew tired of getting blamed for lack of progress, according to the Cagle campaign. That may be true, but it's incomplete, and Tippins contradicts many of the important parts. Uh, So Galloway went to Lindsey Tippins' living room. They live down the street from each other, and he writes, On May 19th, the 38th day of the 40-day session, Tippins says he walked into the lieutenant governor's office with a spreadsheet to explain why he opposed House Bill 787. Under current state formula, Tippin said, funding for those 20 state authorized brick and mortar charter schools stands at $8,415 per pupil, more than the combined state and local spending per student in 46 of 180 Georgia public schools, including Gwinnett County. House Bill 787 would increase it to $8,816 more than the combined state and local spending per student in 96 Georgia school districts. My question was, how do we explain this, says Lindsey Tippin, a former member of the Cobb County School Board, to spend the equivalent of all other public schools in Georgia who are required to take all comers would run to more than $500 million a year. Well, I got to have this bill, the lieutenant governor told him. He, and Tippin says, I can't pass it. Tippin's described what came next. Kagel said, look, this is the deal. I've got to do something for charter schools. The Walton Family Foundation is fixing to put $2 million in Hunter Hill's campaign. If this bill passes, I'll get it in mine. So according to Lindsey Tippins, a Cobb County senator and the chairman of the Senate Education Committee, Casey Cagle wasn't just attempting to block funding for a gubernatorial rival, but was seeking to increase his own. Now, by the way, the Walton Education Coalition hasn't given money, but there was an outside group praising Kegel for supporting uh, school choice reform. Now, here's the issue. If Cagle moved legislation as an elected official in order to financially benefit his campaign, and that's what Lindsey Tippins is claiming, that's a felony in the state of Georgia. Let me say that again. It is against the law in the state of Georgia for any elected official to move legislation in order to benefit himself financially. I can read you the statute if you like. Um, it is entitled Improperly Influencing Legislative Action. It is OCGA Section 1610 any officer of the state who asks for or receives anything of value to which he is not entitled in return for an agreement to procure or attempt to procure the passage or defeat of legislation by the General Assembly or procure or attempt to procure the approval or disapproval of the same by the governor shall be guilty of a felony. Any officer who receives anything of value to which he or she is not entitled in return for an agreement to procure or attempt to procure the passage of any legislation by the General Assembly shall be guilty of a felony. That's what Lindsay Tippins, the chairman of the Senate Education Committee, is accusing the lieutenant governor of doing. Now, whether it's true or not isn't the question. The question is, does the Fulton County DA who supports Stacey Abrams open a grand jury investigation because this happened inside Fulton County? Does he do this politically motivated or not, and then have the media use it as a wedge to try to sway independent voters to Stacey Abrams? That's the dangerous game we're playing here with this. And it's one Republican voters need to think about in this primary runoff. Um, Although you also have to keep in mind the Abrams campaign wants to run against Brian Kemp. I'll tell you why when we come back. You have probably seen the Dollar Shave Club ads. They're actually really awesome, Uh, really, really funny ads. I was one of the original Dollar Shave Club members when they came out. I mean, I've totally bought into the ads. Really, really a a cool shave club idea. It delivers everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. Uh, You name it. They've got shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that'll leave your bottom feeling tingly clean. Dollar Shave Club is more than just razor blades. It has all these other things. And there's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products for just $5.00. You can get their daily essential starter set. It comes with body cleanser, one-wipe Charlies, their amazing butt wipes, their world-famous shave butter, and their best razor, the six-blade executive six blades. Keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, anything else you need for your bathroom. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash eric. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash eric, E-R-I-C-K. It is 27 after the hour. Eric Erickson here on WSB, folks. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB talk. A court has approved AT&T's purchase of Time Warner. Not Time Warner Cable, but Time Warner Media Properties. That includes Turner Broadcasting here in Atlanta. And as part of Turner Broadcasting, CNN. Now, I wonder, you know, at and is a rather conservative organization. Uh, its executives tend to give to Republicans more. It's been perceived as Trump friendly. Uh, what's that, if anything, what would that do to CNN? Um, I, I, I definitely think CNN needs to have something done And I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, I remember as I was leaving and Jeff Zucker was coming in, there were all sorts of hagiographic articles about what a genius he was. And it was going to be huge for the ratings. They're going to be competitive with Fox and it hasn't panned out. I wonder if AT&T will do something different with them. is 38 after the hour the phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB talk hat tip to Mike on Twitter who pointed out Air Force One landed on Guam to refuel the island did not tip over someone please send a message to Hank Johnson uh, telling him everything is okay on Guam I <laughs> I need to circle back to the Kegel thing just real quick. Um, So a a member of the state house points out that on the that Kegel essentially in his defense of his conduct of the state legislature says uh, that he wanted to advance uh, school reform in Georgia and had to go over Lindsey Tippin's head. He he could have accepted his resignation, by the way, um, as chairman of the committee, but didn't uh, that he had had to had to fight. Lindsay on this except in his audio with clay tippins he was boasting about having uh, beat the issue to a pulp time and time again um why does he suddenly want to advance something he's laughing about uh, beating to a pulp time and time again uh problematic problematic there now let's focus for a minute on big local news it affects um well it affects all of us To a degree or another, Um, whether you see it or not, that is a judge ruling that AT&T can buy Time Warner. Now, there may be an appeal, but I suspect that this is going to go through AT&T buying Time Warner for $85 billion. They're not buying uh, the internet provider cable company. They're buying the content. They're buying uh, Warner Brothers films. They're buying... Uh, CNN, they're buying Cartoon Network. They're buying Turner Broadcasting, TBS, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, They're buying all those properties. Uh, Concurrently, Disney is trying to buy Fox. What makes that so interesting is that Disney is one of the last content companies trying to buy another content company. And right now, more and more, it is the broadband providers and cable companies buying uh, the content providers like Comcast right now owns NBC Universal, and now it wants to buy Fox, um, which I'm not sure on a on a uh, any trust uh, argument if that would even be viable for them. But they, they want to make a go of it. They want to challenge Disney. Disney wants to trade stock to buy Fox. Uh, Comcast is willing to make a cash offer. Because the cable provider has deeper pockets than Disney, ultimately, cash-wise. Disney doesn't have deep pockets right now because... Star Wars. That's right, friends. Star Wars is not doing well. And it's deeply aggravating to me because I love Star Wars. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And Disney has mismanaged the property. Now, I know... There are people, it's kind of like Apple products. Um, you criticize Apple and you get a bunch of people from, and I'm a huge Apple fan. I, I am in the cult. Right now, I I have on my desk my iPad, my iPhone, my MacBook Pro. I have an iMac behind me. I'm wearing my Apple Watch. I love Apple products, but I'm still willing to criticize the company, and, and some aren't. They get very defensive, and the same is true with Star Wars. Uh, I mean, there are people who will stake the I mean, they they will stake their life on the fact that The Last Jedi is a good movie when box offices globally are showing it's not Uh, audiences by and large are turned off to it. Uh, And the overriding issue, even in the the cinema scores, is that. Uh, They feel like the property's been disrespected, the handling of, well, Han Solo becoming this tragic figure, there's no redemption arc for him, Luke Skywalker becoming this embittered figure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Disney is having trouble because of the failures of Star Wars and Kathleen Kennedy to be able to buy Fox uh, from a competitive position. Comcast is going to go after him. It's interesting to see these broadband, essentially the pipe suppliers, buying the content suppliers putting them all together. The internet is really continuing to disrupt the media. It first disrupted newspapers, then it disrupted radio. Now it's disrupting uh, TV and TV content. Netflix has been the ultimate disruptor in this. Um, So, uh, you know, where we go with this, I'm not sure, but I do wonder If AT&T, which is by and large a conservative organization, if AT&T begins to make changes at CNN uh, and properties like it, uh, because I think CNN has bought into some of the social justice warrior nonsense. So CNN today, they're championing this uh, merger as a rebuke to the Trump administration, which sought to block it. Um, and that's part of CNN's problem. You know, it, when I left CNN, and, and by the way, I, I I feel like I need to say this: I, I criticize CNN from a position of actually loving the network. I'm I'm a big fan of CNN. I grew up with it overseas. It was the news network I get. Uh, the Bernard Shaw, Frank Sesno, Judy Woodruff, Robert Novak, uh, the Evans Novak R- report. I was a huge political junkie. I grew up with that uh, before Fox existed, before any other major news network existed. And When I was leaving CNN, going to Fox, uh, largely going to Fox from CNN because I I, I felt under assault every day and I wasn't sure that the network had my back. I was willing to stay at CNN, even though Fox was offering more money. I was willing to stay at CNN because I I like CNN, but they wouldn't put in my contract um, provisions protecting me essentially from the mob that if I said something on radio or or at the I, I I didn't want them coming after me. They didn't want to go that road, but they kept saying, you know, Zucker's Zucker's more flexible. He'll he'll turn a blind. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And they wouldn't put it in writing. And so I left because I was, there were nights where I was staying up worried. Am I going to be out of a job? Am I going to get suspended for something I've said on the radio because someone has taken something out of context? Um, And I had real concerns because it started happening more and more. And I also felt bad that uh, the PR shop was kept busy. I mean, they could have had one person just dedicated to me. Media Matters taking words out of context on this show all the time. And I was just starting out too. I hadn't found my footing. Uh, So I was concerned about all that. So I went to Fox. Uh, Roger Ailes took me out to dinner. We had a great time. Um, He offered a a job at Fox and I took it. Uh, Little did I know it was in large part to keep me off networks altogether. Uh, But nonetheless... Um, I, I don't really regret that from a person from, from a professional situation in that it allowed me to stretch my legs and find my voice on the show, which I view myself now way more as a talk radio show host than as a blogger or, or a TV guy, even though I was in TV before radio, but as I was leaving, CNN there was uh, this huge just celebration within the media at large over Jeff Zucker going to CNN from NBC. He had been the, the the guy who turned around the Today show, made it competitive on and on and on the turnaround artists in NBC and they were finally going to give Roger Ailes a run for his money and, and you know Roger we talked about that at dinner because the news was breaking as, as Roger was was luring me to Fox. And he was completely dismissive of it. That uh, Jeff Zucker uh, was in a liberal bubble, and the key to Fox's success was that they paid attention to what people outside major metropolitan liberal areas paid attention to, and that has always been Fox's success. And Zucker never really did that. He went for sensational headlines, and he thought that's what Fox was doing. He wasn't actually paying it, but wasn't paying attention to heartland stories, to river valley stories, to to where people live. In the heartland, um, the, they were capturing all the buzz of of the missing Belgian air jet and whatnot. Uh, but otherwise, they were liberal, and I think they more so have trended in that direction. Problematically, they, they're still, I think, a, a fairly balanced network in parts. But they also this obsession with Donald Trump. I think is probably the most annoying thing about CNN right now. Not everything involves the president, and yet CNN goes out of its way now to tie things to the president, like the AT&T Time Warner merger. They make things partisan that aren't. Uh, and I wonder AT&T being a more Trump-friendly organization than Time Warner has than Warner has been in the past. Uh, AT&T being just institutionally more conservative. I wonder if they're going to start making changes at CNN. I, I think there are changes that can be made at CNN and, and possibly should be made at CNN. Uh, I don't know that AT&T will, though. Of course, Randall Stevenson, the CEO of AT&T, is the guy who helped screw up the Boy Scouts. So we shouldn't hold our breath. Okay, I love this story from the Washington Free Beacon. Uh, Claire McCaskill, the Democratic senator in Missouri, who CNN has listed as one of the most endangered members of the Senate, she is on an RV trip through uh, Missouri. She has a very expensive bus, and she is touring Missouri on her bus, and she's made a big deal about riding the bus to parts of Missouri. (laughs) Washington Free Beacon notes there's perfect overlap uh, between her private jet and her RV. Wherever all the cities where the RV goes, surprise, Claire McCaskill's private plane shows up there, and the bus winds up. Picking Claire McCaskill up. So she she's claiming to ride an RV around Missouri, but she can't even be bothered to ride on the RV. She has to fly her private jet so she doesn't have to spend the night on the road or whatnot. <laughs> Good grief. Uh, the... the, the Let's see. The the plane, according to its tracking uh, for the day of of the tour from Waynesville in central Missouri to to Springfield and then to Joplin, uh, the plane took the same route as the campaign RV. It left St. Louis, where it's based, headed towards Springfield just after 3 p.m. and arrived 30 minutes later, right around when McCaskill was done meeting with local student journalists on the RV, according to her blog. The plane then traveled west towards Joplin, and then at 5.22 p.m., seven minutes after McCaskill posted that she was done with her event in Joplin, the plane took off towards Kansas City, the site of her first event the next day. The plane landed at 5.51 p.m., about two hours earlier than the RV would have arrived. On Wednesday, according to his tracking data, the plane took the same route as the campaign RV tour from Kansas City to St. Joseph's, then to Columbia She couldn't even, she couldn't even ride the bus a a three hour. Well, you know, I'm a senator. My time is, you know, Casey Cagle, when he tours Georgia, he's the lieutenant governor of the state of Georgia. He rides the bus. Brian Kemp rides, David Perdue, a United States senator of the same stature as Claire McCaskill. He rides the campaign bus. What is it? about Democrats and you know they they demonize private jets and then they love to get on them and fly I personally want a net jet subscription I'm a little jealous but still I'm not the one demonizing people who fly private jets it's the Democrats like Claire McCaskill who are and yet she's on it goodness gracious all right folks we will see you guys tomorrow have a great night